Welcome to Awards Radar, the podcast, a weekly discussion of the awards races, Hollywood news, and the films you should have on your radar. Here's your host, Joey Magidson. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Awards Radar podcast, now fully in the shadow of the Academy Awards, because goddamn it, we have nothing left to talk about there. Um, beyond, you know, the things everyone's talking about, but as Miles has put it on Twitter several times, like, stop, who cares? Like, at the end of the day, it's not a good look for anyone. So we're going to we're gonna look ahead a little bit, and also look back, but in a different way. Um, as you'll see over the next, whatever, hour or some, some amount of time. It's been a long day. Miles, you're here. What's up? I am here. I really wish people would stop talking about the thing that we're not going to talk about. Bruno? Indeed. I mean that. Too. Yes, yes, Steve. Bruno. Oh, I wish people shot. would stop talking about Bruno. They had I a told... whole. They had a whole song about not singing about Bruno, and all everyone can talk about is Bruno. See, I totally agree. It's a, it's enough is enough. Mm. Steve's here as well. I'm here. Um, yeah, I, I'm. I'm done with all of that. Like, you know, it's a. It's just not good, and the problems that the show has are still there and they'll be there for the foreseeable future and the the um circus atmosphere of what we are not talking about it's now it's just become like a thing that people want to talk about as opposed to relating to the show at all so it's not it's not worthwhile to me but we can talk about some movies uh earlier this week i put out my uh, best of films and performances of the first quarter i'm definitely not struggling for content or anything um but it seems to be a popular piece, so we can talk about that. I put up a bunch of reviews last week. Um, I just saw Ambulance before this uh, recording, so we can talk about that. Um, and then by the time you hear this, I will have seen uh, The Northman. Can't talk about it until next week, so it works out great. And um, The Unbearable Weight of Massive Nicolas Cage. So I know uh, Miles is very interested in that one. Very. I mean, who who listens to this podcast would imagine that I have any love for Nicolas Cage. <laughs> yeah. I mean, here I thought you were just a Kevin Spacey fan. I shouldn't have even referenced it. It backfired immediately. I know. I can't wait until uh, we all see it, and it leads to... Uh, I don't know exactly what, but there's got to be something we can do with that. So, before we get into all that, film hog face-off. I got two of them today. We got one... From Ryan McDermott, we'll give we we'll do that one first, and then Kayfley two hundred eight has one for us. So keep that in mind. Um, so uh, this one first up, Encanto or Soul? Um, the, the theme will rear its head shortly. Yeah, I'm already seeing a pattern. Um, I would probably say Encanto. It's, I don't think it's as amazing as its reputation kind of was, but the songs are catchy. It's got a good message. It's beautifully animated. It reminds me of the 90s sort of Disney Renaissance era. Soul mm-hmm. is a lovely little film, but it's also one I have not thought about since I've seen it. Mm. Steve? It's tough. Um, Encanto... I enjoyed, and then I enjoyed less and on future viewings. I did like the music more, and I did like certain aspects of it, but that last third does not work for me. So, with that said, I never really was all that engaged with Soul. 
I, it, 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 a lot of it didn't work for me. There's something about the, I don't know, something about the storytelling there that I'm like, I'm not in tune with the character. So let's go in Kanto. Fair enough. Um, I'm going to go Soul. I'm kind of on equal ground. Um, Soul I liked a fair amount at the time. I saw it on the earlier side last year. And uh, yeah, kind of never thought about it after that. Like I remember when the other reviews came out and they were, you know, pretty good, but like maybe not quite raves. I um, I was like, yeah, that makes sense, I guess. Um, I remember liking the the cat aspect of it and that being a little bit surprising. Um, Encanto... I mean, it's fine. Like, yeah, it harkens back to, like, an older era of Disney, but it never connected with me in the way that I think it does with so many other people. I remember watching it um, pretty late in the game. Um, I didn't go to the screening, um, the press screening at the time. There was a conflict with something else. I don't remember what it was. Um, I know Steve went, and I uh, watched my, um, I think it was be a Critics' Choice screener, with my, I suppose now ex-girlfriend and just kind of like knowing it should, I think we both had the same response of like, we, we both thought it should be better. Not that it's not a good movie, but like, it's not connecting. Like I should be liking this more if that makes sense. So like kind of the same result for both. Um, when it's a tie, I kind of still defer to Pixar. So I'll go soul. Um, next up, drive my car or another round. Um, I love Another Round a lot, and that's one that I've only, my opinion of it has only grown more favorable over time. But Drive My Car was my favorite of last year. It's a beautiful masterpiece, so that's got to be my vote. Steve? Um, I'm going to go with Another Round. Another Round, I have, is one of the films I've revisited the most, uh, and I don't revisit a lot because I've film and TV to catch up on constantly. But I really enjoyed that film, and you know that last what three minutes is mm. uh, is movie magic. It is one and, of the best endings in recent memory. Yeah. Drive my car though is you know I'm actually I'm gonna watch that with my wife. Um, I'm excited to see what it's like to watch in in one sitting, completely you know completely locked in because unfortunately due to scheduling I, I had to break it up into like pretty much three three viewings which is not ideal so uh i, I have a feeling i'm gonna like it even more than i did the last time but I will, another round mm-hmm. yeah i will revisit it one day i have no idea when um another round though i would watch again and i like that one better the first time anyway so i will uh, be going another round Next up, Summer of Soul or My Octopus Teacher? Um, I haven't seen either, but I like Octopi a fair bit, so I'll go fair with enough. that. Steve? Um, <laughs> sounds odd to say, but for the music alone, Summer of Soul. Yeah. Um, it's really a tie for me. I thought they were both fine. I guess I'll, I guess I'll go Octopus Teacher. It's close. Like, they're they both fell well shy of the film of the documentaries that I was backing in either given year, mm-hmm. but welcome to the Oscars in the best documentary feature category. Um, the queen of basketball or Colette. Haven't seen either. Have no opinion. <laughs> hmm. Um, Steve, did you hit either? I believe I saw Colette. Let me make sure. Is that the, with the older lady? 
I believe so. These were the uh, documentary shorts. Yeah, let's go Colette. Uh, I'll go Queen of Basketball. It's fine. Again, forgettable, but fine. Uh, Long Goodbye or Two Distant Strangers? If you recall, Long Goodbye is the Riz Ahmed live-action short that won. And Two Distant Strangers was the, I think it was a Netflix one that made everyone so angry that also won. Oh, yeah. Also haven't seen either, but I like Riz Ahmed, so I'll go with his film. There you go. Um, I didn't see the Riz Ahmed film. Uh, Two Distant Strangers, I didn't love, but the... Uh, the young man who stars in it was great. Uh, I, I don't know his name offhand, so I'll go with that. Um, I will. I ha- I'm similar again. Like I hate that I with the shorts. I'm always sort of indifferent, largely. But um, I, I think I'm going to go Two Distant Strangers. I think Riz Ahmed is very good in Long Goodbye. I don't know that it, like fully sticks to landing, but solid stuff. Um, the windshield wiper, or if anything happens, I love you. No one saw the windshield wiper. I'm sure. Yeah, I got nothing on either of these. Yeah. What was the second one? If anything happens, I love you. Oh, uh, these, yeah. These were the animated shorts. Yeah. Oh, that one was a tough one. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll go with that. That's the same one for me. Um, a downer, but... Yeah, yeah. definitely. Yep. Uh, the screenplay for Belfast or the screenplay for Promising Young Woman? Um, I have my issues with Promising Young Woman, especially in the third act, but from a strictly screenplay perspective, I think it's more interesting and has more going on than Belfast, which is a very personal story, but the broad strokes of it aren't anything we haven't seen before. Mm-hmm. Steve? Oh, by the way, the name of the actor from Two Distant Strangers is Joey Badass. What a great name. Um... So yeah, I don't. I don't hate it. Keep it. Yeah, I, I might change mine. Um, actually, well, I guess you would only have to change one name, so I guess you win. Okay. Um, I'm gonna go promising young woman. I cool. I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm obviously gonna go promising young woman as well. Um, I think they're both very good scripts. I think promising young woman is more ambitious. I think they're both equally successful, uh, but they're doing two different things. Which comes back to our Coda Power the Dog conversation, but just a matter of taste. But I, I, I thrilled they both won. Um, even if no, I think Belfast might be my preference in the category. Licorice Pizza would have been a great winner too, just also to get PTA an Oscar. But can't be really upset with Kenneth Branagh getting an Oscar and like a very personal Oscar. Uh, well, exactly. So, you know, yeah. Yeah, as opposed to. I mean, I know, you know, his Shakespeare stuff is where he's, like, the master, but I I appreciate those more than I like them, and much of his other stuff is somewhat anonymous, so happy that it's this. And not, like, supporting actor for My Week with Marilyn. Let's put it that way. God, Um, can you imagine? Yeah. Uh, And then the screenplay for Coda, or the screenplay for The Father? I still haven't seen The Father. I know. I'm a terrible Oscar podcast co-host. Um, well, this goes on to the um, this goes into the list of uh, when we do our poll soon for uh, what movie we're going to watch. Yeah, well, I'll I'll take yeah, the opportunity. Was there another one of yours that's notorious you haven't seen it recently? Or is this the big one? Me or for Steve? You. 
Oh, I mean, probably. <laughs> um, we got two options. Mars Attacks and the Father. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Um, well, so yeah. yeah Coda, so, uh, Coda for you. Yeah, it would have to be Coda. But I love Coda, and I'm, I'm happy that yeah. it got as much love as it did. Steve? Um... I, you know, for me, the father, the screenplay isn't what I fell in love with. Um, it's a great film, and there's a lot to, a lot to appreciate there, which is really exciting to to watch that with someone with fresh eyes. So, uh, but I'm I'm still gonna go Coda. Yeah, no, the father is acting and production design. Yes, that's where it shines. The script is fine. Um, Coda. I know initially got some dings on the script just because people felt it was cliched or something. I, I, I mean, I disagree. I think it's telling a familiar story in almost the best way possible. But even just going back and, and revisiting pieces of it, I, I, you know, the three scenes that everyone talks about, you know, I, I cry at the drop of a hat recently, but like they make me cry just if I pull them up on YouTube and and it's the direction and the acting, but also it was written on the page. Like you can't completely disengage the script from the, what you're seeing there. So like, this is an easy one for me. Definitely Coda. Um, in terms of the other face off that we have, we have a Jake Gyllenhaal face off just Ooh. his performances. The day after tomorrow or source code. Um, day after tomorrow is fine. He's not especially memorable in it, but yeah, it's it's exactly what it looks like. Source Code is one of those movies that it'll always feel like a letdown because it came right after Moon for Duncan Jones. But I think mm-hmm. Gyllenhaal's quite good in it, and I think it it manages its sort of central gimmick pretty well. So uh, between the two, I go Source Code. Steve? Uh, the Day After Tomorrow uh, seems way too familiar. And, you know, it, it, it is what you expect it to be. Source code for, surprised me. I really enjoyed that. Uh, and I enjoyed his work in it. So, source code. Yeah, same. Uh, source code is solid. I think he's pretty good in it. I think uh, Day After Tomorrow is fine. And he's fine in it. Not being asked to do anything more than be fine. So, easy pick. Um, next up, Everest or Jarhead? Um, Everest is exactly what you would expect it to be. It's a good version of that, but there's nothing about it that's super memorable or engaging uh, beyond just the raw sort of survivalist element of it. Um, Jarhead, I think, is one of his better performances and one of his most underrated films. So Jarhead all the way for me. Steve? Um, I agree, and I agree. I think Jarhead is a surprisingly good film that doesn't get the uh, the appreciation it deserves. And uh, who's the director on that again? Sam Mendes. Sam Mendes. Sam, oh, Sam Mendes. Yeah. Yeah. Go go visit that. I, I, I was surprised by that one as well. It would say I, I wasn't a, a Gyllenhaal fan. And then that and Source Code, I think, came out within a fairly close amount of time and uh, put me on the Gyllenhaal train. No pun intended. Uh, (laughs) Yes. Yeah, and we got there. Um, Yeah, no, I'm going to agree with both of you. Everest is fine. I remember being told by uh, 
someone who doesn't work where they work currently, but they were, I think, handling the um, below the line stuff. And I'm like, this is a this is a big deal. Like, watch out for it as an Oscar player. And like, I don't think they were wrong necessarily, but it's you know, it's a it's a big technical achievement with some A list people sort of being anonymous in it. He's fine, but like, it is what it is. Um, Jarhead, I think, got dinged at the time for. That was his follow-up to American Beauty, Sam Mendes, and also, I think, it being a war movie with no war kind of puzzled people, I guess. It was hard to kind of figure out what the issue was with it. I loved it. I thought it was great. Um, and, like, kind of intentionally frustrating in a way. It's, it's. I don't think you necessarily get the Hurt Locker without it. Like, it's an important film. Um, great Roger Deakin cinematography. And then... He's good. He's very good. Peter Sarsgaard is really good in it. Jamie Foxx is really good in it. It is uh, a very good film and a very easy pick. So I will be going that way with my selection. Next up, Southpaw or Velvet Buzzsaw? Um, I actually never saw either one, but I was probably more interested in seeing Velvet Buzzsaw. Fair enough. Steve? Well, I've only seen Southpaw, and it was okay, so that'll be my choice. There you go. Um, I will go Southpaw as well. I think the movie is fine. I think he's very good in the movie. Um, you know, not, not like a very original story, and like his role is not like... It, it, he's doing a very... like. In another world, like, Mark Wahlberg would have played that role or something like that. Like, yeah. it's not a, mo- a role that necessarily asks a ton besides be a movie star and be intense. And I think he does all of that and adds a little bit to it. But it's it's as much like a physical transformation. Exactly. And, and executing, like, a solid sort of, like, downer Hollywood movie. Um, Velvet Bossa, um, I didn't love. It's ridiculous. He's making nothing but choices. Like, it's not a... It's not Jared Leto level choices, but it's not super far off. So like, it's easy to appreciate, but um, it didn't it didn't work for me. So I'm glad it exists, but not going to be my pick. Uh, Enemy or Nocturnal Animals? Oh, well, this is an easy one. Enemy is a film that I think is super underrated. And um, I think I saw it roughly around the same time as I saw Prisoners or Sicario. And it was one of those ones where it just cemented how much I loved Denis Villeneuve. And I think uh, Joan Hall's doing some grade A, you know, twin acting in that. Um, Nocturnal Animals is a mess. It's one that I was very excited for, but it just doesn't really know what it wants to be and ends up being kind of unsatisfying. And he's fine in it, but he's hardly a standout performance. So, yeah, enemy all the way. Steve? Um, I think I like Nocturnal Animals more than most people do. But Interesting. I uh, but Enemy is uh, is really uh, a great watch and a surprise. You know, it's it's one of those films just go in blind and enjoy the ride. So I'm gonna go with Enemy. Fair enough. Um, I don't like Enemy, and I don't like Nocturnal Animals. Um, you hate animals? Ooh. No, no, I love animals. Oh. Um, but yeah, not. I, I'm not super wild about Tom Ford as a filmmaker. I, I, I think a single man is is pretty solid as like a artistic achievement, and I think Colin Firth is very good. But uh, yeah, Nocturnal Animals is a mess. Um, maybe be interesting to rewatch one day, but 
I just I hated that it didn't add up to anything. Like it, it did nothing for me. Enemy, I understand being ambitious, but some of it is just it's so oppressively not my thing. And also, I hate spiders, so like it being thematically a spider movie was always putting it at at a downside. So if you're just talking about performances, Jonal solid in Nocturnal Animals. He's pretty good in Enemy, so I will go Enemy. Mm. Here's a hard one: Brokeback Mountain or Wildlife. Okay, maybe this is the other blind spot that you were talking about. I still haven't seen Wildlife. Oh, boy. Um, so good. But, yeah, no, I've heard nothing but good things. I'm sure I would like it. Um, but given that I've seen Brokeback Mountain and I love Brokeback Mountain, I'm going to go with Brokeback Mountain. Fair enough. Steve? Um, isn't it weird? Wildlife is one of those films that kind of disappeared in the uh, Oscar season. And it's a shame. Yeah, it got... It got it. It deserved so much more. The yeah. screenplay by Zoe Gazan and Paul Dano, Dano's direction, Carrie Mulligan. Yeah, I was gonna say Paul Dano. Even Bill, even Bill Camp. Like, so it's such a good movie. Yeah. Miles, you would like it. It's uh, it's strange. You know, those those films that like you know, talk about early on, and then that's it. And you know, oh well, I guess it's not worthy. But if it only was it had some you know, some of the nominations it deserved, um, mm-hmm. and and yeah, Dano directed it too. Um, with that said, what's the other f- option? I'm sorry, I'm tired. Brokeback Mountain. Oh, Brokeback. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go Brokeback Mountain. I I think Brokeback is the better movie. I do think actually Hall is better in uh, Wildlife. He's great in both. And I, I love that he's nominated for Brokeback Mountain. But I do think uh, ever so slightly he's better. In, in wildlife and just underrated in it. Next up, Zodiac or End of Watch? Ooh. Uh, he's fantastic in End of Watch, like really, really good. Uh, possibly some of the best sort of found footage acting I've seen. Um, and that's like a decent, I mean, it's hardcore copaganda, but it is effective at what it's trying to be. It's, a, it's one of David Ayer's better films for sure. Um, Probably his best film. Yeah, I, I I would definitely hear that argument. I love it. It's the the only one I think of his that I love, and like, I think some of it probably had to do with being very recently out of the police academy when sure. I saw it. Like, you know, if ever there was a time to hit me with like, wouldn't it be sad if a cop got killed? Like, not that I'm you know, kill cops or anything like that, but like, you know, I think I have a nuanced opinion like most modern people in in this day and age where everything's politicized. But that movie, I think, did a I don't know how it would play now if it came out, but like did a good job of removing the politics of it. And part of it is also, would you not want to spend time with uh, Jake Gyllenhaal and Michael Pena? Like if you're going to pick two charismatic actors to to give you these roles and, and fill them out with um, even, I think, uh, some of the other cops. You don't really learn that much about them, but like Cody Horn from Magic Mike is one of them. And like just like I think it's such a well cast movie. Anna Kendrick kind of elevating the supportive, worried girlfriend role. It's so good. Sorry, I interrupted you. Go on. Yeah, no, no. So I absolutely love End of Watch. That said, Zodiac is a fucking masterpiece. Um, The fact that it's not my favorite Fincher film speaks volumes to how impressive of a career Fincher has had because it's one of the best. It's probably the best or at least up there with like spotlight in terms of investigative movies of uh, since the turn of the century. Uh, one of the best serial killers movies ever. 
Gyllenhaal's performance isn't necessarily the thing that makes it, but the overall movie is so good, it can't not be my pick. Fair enough. Steve? Yeah, I'm going Zodiac as well. Uh, I enjoyed it the first time. I mean, it's a it's a tough watch at times, but I enjoyed the filmmaking the first time. It has grown on me, and every time... I was actually thinking about it today. Uh, I saw an article about the Zodiac Killer. Uh figuring out he's about ted cruz (laughs) it it, yeah he he was uh for uh, no time for jokes i'm too tired uh but yeah and i (laughs) I thought man i really want to go back and uh and watch that film again and it's one that i every time i think of it i'm like damn that was good and like you said gyllenhaal's work isn't what drives it you know but it's a pretty damn impressive cast so it's hard to stand out when you have uh, Philip Baker Hall and uh, Chloe uh, Sevigny and, and, you know, all, all Ruffalo, the... All, Robert Ruffalo, Jr. yeah. Just like, yeah. Well, it's, it's, it's incredible. It's a very deep cast, and it's a great film. Uh, I agree. I think a masterpiece, so Zodiac. Um, I need to rewatch it. John Carroll Lynch, don't forget about him. Yeah. Oh, he's uh, excellent. Yeah, one of his best performances. I uh, I want to revisit Zodiac one day. I remember saying I thought the first hour was a masterpiece and like the best film of the year and like an all time favorite. And the second hour was solid, but kind of started to I, I was wavering. And then the remainder of it, because it's a two hour plus movie, I think by that time I was frustrated. And like, I understand that that's part of the the intentional nature of it. But I'm, I'm due for a rewatch because I remember liking it, but also being like, it's good. Maybe not quite as good as everyone says. I don't know that that's necessarily true. I think that just might be how I feel at the time. End of Watch remains, I think, David Ayer's best film. One of my favorites of that year. I, I don't know how it would play watching it now, and maybe I'll watch it one day. But uh, for now, I, I, I think they're both... He's great in both. I think End of Watch might be his best performance. So I will go End of Watch. Actually, it's not his best performance, but the... Of the ones we're talking about here, it's one of. Because the next uh, matchup has his two best performances and his next best performance is Stronger, which is not listed here. A movie that I know has sort of a mixed reaction, but I thought it was very, very good. By the way, did you see Stronger? I did not. Stronger is the one where he's um, the Boston Marathon bombing and he loses his legs. Yeah, I remember. I just didn't. Yeah. I wasn't interested. I don't recall if I saw it. I don't think I did. It's good. It's good. I, I think I liked it more than most. Um, I like David Gordon Green. I like Jake Hall. Like, it was up my alley. But I thought it was well done. No, I didn't. Um, so, it all builds to this one. Prisoners or Nightcrawler? Uh, ooh. Those are two of my favorites of his, for sure. Um... Oh, that's tough. Because Prisoners, for me, was the one where... I mean, obviously, it, was, it introduced me to Denis, but beyond that, I think Hugh, both Hugh Jackman and Gyllenhaal give two of the best performances they've ever given, uh, yeah. and and that was possibly the first one that I noticed that was part of Gyllenhaal's sort of, oh, he's going method now. He's taking, you know, he's not just a star anymore. He's doing some really interesting character role choices, um, and I think he's terrific in it. Nightcrawler is... Uh, like the performance is definitely one of his best, but as a movie, it didn't quite hit me the way I wanted to. 
that's mm-hmm. one of those movies where I feel like the most interesting, like the end should have been like the first act. You know what I mean? Like what it sets up going forward is way more interesting than anything that led up to it. Um, and so I, I think that was one where I was kind of, I was really excited for it and he's great and Rizzo Med is great, but I was left wanting more. So that wasn't the case with prisoners. So I'm going to go with prisoners. Academy award winner, Rizzo Med. That's right. Yeah. Steve. Yeah. It's a tough one. Uh, I'm going to go Easier prisoners. We're talking about the movie harder with the performance. Yeah. No, I'm still going prisoners. Yeah, I think I'm going prisoners as well. The movie's better. I love prisoners. I know it's like it gets a little ridiculous at one point. You become oh, like I think up until the the box of snakes, you're like oh my god, this is amazing, and then you're like oh wait, it's a it's a dumb movie too a little bit, but I still love it. Um, that's when you sort of realize like the script is maybe stringing you along a little bit more, and, and Denise really doing a lot of the work and the actors. Um, Nightcrawler, it took more than one viewing to get. Like, I remember the first time not really liking it, in fact. I liked him, but I remember being like, this is just off-putting. And then I watched it again, and it was better. And then I actually had seen it a third time. This was just because of events. Like, I went to a thing to talk to to Jake Jonal for a couple minutes, and, like, he... um, This has nothing to do with liking the movie more, but I was waiting to go in... And he, uh, he had come out and was like, oh, what did you guys think of like, the card? Like, he just had a very like, kind of fun conversation about it. But then the third time was the premiere. And oddly, then it clicked. So like, that's not how I usually believe things should go. Like, I think your first viewing kind of is, unless there's a reason, your first viewing is what you think of the movie. But uh, Prisoners hooked me the first time. So I think he might be ever so slightly better in Nightcrawler, but... He also is part of the reason prisoners work so well. So maybe I'll go prisoners. No real wrong answer here. The other question Kayfley has is any hopes or speculation at what might play at Cannes this year? Um, I can give you two answers for sure. Elvis and Top Gun Maverick. Because they're confirmed. Anything else is pure speculation. But is there uh, is there anything off the top of your guys' heads that you hope plays? Um I mean, I think the, the, the Netflix of it all complicates things, because I would say normally Blonde would be a sure thing, but that's complicated by Netflix. Yeah, I don't have anything. I, I don't have anything off the top of my head. Sorry, k Good talk. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, the list will come out soon. I mean, there's... I mean, if you look at um, the lists out there of uh, what might play a can, you know, every year it's always going to be... Pick your um, favorite international director. That's largely how this goes because obviously the American fair is usually limited. Um, if you wanted to think of things to look at um, in terms of like North American films, just because those are the ones more people will have heard of, um, the two that we've confirmed are there. Um, it's possible you can get George Miller's film. 3,000 Years of Longing. I would like to see that if that ends up being there. Yeah. Um, You you basically have to to look at who goes to Cannes, traditionally. Um, So I would say that if James Gray's movie is ready, Armageddon Time, he, you know, is a a favorite son there. I think almost everything is played there. Um, 
depends on where Wes Anderson is on. Was it Asteroid City is the next one? Yeah. Um, I think it might be done because he moved on to another one already, right? Or he's at like least in early somewhere. stages of another one. Yeah. Yeah. So he's he's somewhere close to done. Um, other filmmakers you might look to like um, Kelly Reichardt, I think, has gone there before. Um, so that she's got showing up, which is her and Michelle Williams again. Um, I know, um, there were rumors about other things that, you know, who's to say, um, Ari Aster's movie, Disappointment Boulevard, that one, who knows? I don't know if it's, I, I think it's done. Just don't know what's going on with that one. Um, The Whale. The whale would be good. Well, I mean, the whale's definitely possible because at one point it was looking like it could have even come out last year. So, yeah, I I mean, I think I feel like the whale might have been close to done. And then when it seemed like it wasn't going to come out last year, he kind of just like took a break to give it fresh eyes because I think he, he either finished the edit or locked picture or did the sound mix or something. There was an Instagram post of his like in the last couple months. So I'm. it sounds like probably in, you know late fall early winter when they decided it wasn't coming out until this year to like you know go on vacation kind of thing so i I could definitely see that one he's at at worst in post-production um sarah polly's movie women talking um that one has a good cast i don't know what's what's going on with that one um these are also things spoiler when i talk next week about like oscars for the next year um, they're definitely going to be involved. Um, Cronenberg. Oh, Crimes of, the Future. Crimes of the Future. Yes. Is he a yeah. can guy though? I feel like he's more of a Toronto guy. Um, he's been to Cannes a bunch of times. I think he always goes to Toronto also. I think, I mean, last time I looked at something, so my information might be faulty. I think Maps to the Stars might be the last time he went. I saw that one in NYFF, so like it went a bunch of places. Um, I saw an article that mentioned Brandon Cronenberg's next movie. I don't know if he's too weird even for Cannes. I don't know if his I don't know if uh, his other movie went to Cannes or not. Um, internationally, I don't really know what the the bigger national films are besides Inarito's movie movie uh, Bardo. Does so Alfonso be... Cuarón not have something he's working on? <sighs> Does he? I want to say it's, I heard that he's doing another one that's like smaller scale. I mean, maybe I don't. He may not be. He might not have made it or might not be done. The only one I know, Quran. I know. I don't. I don't know what Quran has up to up at the moment. I know Inyari two was doing like a comedy of some sort. Um, so I don't really know what he's up to with that one either. Um, the Sun, maybe. Florian Zeller, follow yeah. up to the father. Could definitely happen. That one has, um, Triangle of Sadness, which is the follow-up to... Um, it's the, um, the... Oh, Jesus. The Swedish movie from a couple of years ago, The Square. Ruben, Ruben uh, Osland, I think was the name. Um, it's so hard to know about these things, because especially with um, non-American fare, it's hard to also know when things are done. So, like, if you knew something was, was like, in post, you can kind of start guessing. Um, and maybe this is just me not being good at my job. So, uh, those are the things I can think of. I'm sure a Google will find out 
20 other, you know, um, European, South American, Asian films that I should be thinking of. Um, Luca Guadagnino has a movie this year. I'm sure that would be there if it's if it's ready with uh, Chalamet. And I think I don't forget who else right. is in that one. Um, the problem is some of the, when you start to think of like who the predominant like international filmmakers are. A lot of them had movies in the last year or two, so they might not be ready with their next one. So I don't know of any others off the top of my head, but I'm sure that will change. And uh, in terms of hopes. I would love the whale to play just so I know if it's really good because I I've been eager to see it for a long time. So that's kind of where I'm at with that. Um, let's talk about movies that have recently come out. So I, I just um, put up earlier this week my best of the first quarter of the year, which we can talk about in a minute. But uh, I didn't include things that came out last week because they came out on April 1st and I didn't include Sundance things that I, uh, saw that haven't uh, played, whether it's this year or even going in the case of Pleasure on Sundance last year, but that movie's coming soon. Um, so things that I didn't include were 892, um, Cha-Cha Real Smooth, Pleasure, um, and Apollo 10 and a Half, which hit Netflix last week, and uh, I, I liked quite a bit. I like Linklater. I'm indifferent to kind of the rotoscope movies, but I, I thought this was really good, and... Um, oddly nostalgic and, and, and hit me in an interesting way as I was, you know, one of the first things that I watched post, um, bad news. So, uh, I'm curious when you guys see it, what you think of it. It's, it's maybe a, a lower level could get nominated for animated feature. Don't think it wins sort of thing. But, um, if you like link ladder, it's pretty good. I assume neither of you have seen it yet. Not yet. Yeah. I think you both would like it be something to talk about in the next week or two if you guys catch it. Um, also, last week was uh, Morbius, which was not good. Um, people are now aware it's not good, so not something we have to really get into. Um, saw The Contractor, which was the latest Ben Foster-Chris Pine movie together. Um, they deserve better. It's kind of like a, cable, a movie you would watch on cable on TNT when you were growing up, and it's fine, but hell or high water showed how good they can be together, and I just I wanted more of that. Um, and then there was The Bubble, which um, it feels like me and three other people liked. And that was kind of it. It's definitely lesser Apatel. Like he's he's going broader and, and shooting for more of a satire thing. And it's it's definitely too long. You feel the length in a way that I don't usually feel with him. And I know a lot of people do, but even I felt the length. But I think people just didn't want this movie more so that it's bad. Like there are funny things in it. Some things don't work, but... Um, I think just the residual, like, when you first heard about this movie, most responses were, this could be really misguided, or maybe it'll be, like, the savage, like, satire we needed. And as we've now learned that the, the pandemic just sort of is never going to end, um, to some degree, we don't want it. And also, I think it wasn't quite as, it was as much sat- satirizing spoiled actors. And, and that's just been done a little bit more. So I think... It's not what people were expecting, and also people were expecting more. But also, I think secretly, it's just a movie meant to make people chuckle on Netflix while other things are on. And, and there's nothing super wrong with that. It's just we know Apatow is capable of more. And you always kind of hope his next movie is going to be the one to maybe finally get him some some awards buzz. And this is uh, this is decidedly not it. So I think it's better than most people think, but it's also nothing to go super nuts over. 
Um, and then I saw Ambulance earlier today, and it's a Michael Bay movie, but almost restrained by his take. So if you want two hours plus of a – I mean this movie is two hours and 15 minutes or something like that. I would say over 90 minutes of it is a car chase. Like the, the central car chase is absurdly long. I'm not making it up. Like more than two-thirds of this movie is a car chase. But it's 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 engaging until it just becomes overwhelming and too much. So like you'll see my review up on the site by the time you uh, read this, uh, listen to this. But it's it's fine if you want things to go boom and you want to watch uh, Yahya Abdul Mateen and, and Jake Gyllenhaal try to evade the cops. It's it's doing its thing reasonably well. Your sort of what I tweeted out was your mileage may vary, which is a little punny, but you guys get what I'm getting at. Um, have you? Either, and I know Miles has, but Steve, have you uh, come across anything new in the last couple weeks that you would like to talk about, or has it been more TV for you? It's been mostly TV, yeah. It's been a lot of TV. Anything TV noteworthy? Uh, I don't know if I can talk about some of it. Uh, I'm watching some series that are coming back, and some that are releasing. Um, uh, Trying to think. My my TV schedule is all over the place, so I do a lot of uh pausing on shows and then I, I binge like eight episodes. Let me pause for a second and think of what I'm watching. Well, I could say that I could say I'm watching the flight attendant. Yeah, uh, you know, you can say it if you yeah. know, uh Better Call Saul I'm I've uh-huh. jumped back into. Um let me look at my emails. That's the best way to look at my screener list. Uh, I uh but, yeah, I mean that is the thing with TV. You'll get sent more episodes than are currently available. Um I'm actually showing restraint. Um, I'm watching Winning Time, and Winning Time is fantastic. Um, and I, I have all but I think the last or last two episodes sent to me, and I've just been waiting and watching them um, on on TV as opposed to the on my computer. One better looking on TV. Two, it was a thing I was doing with uh, the X and three. I think sometimes when with screeners, they're not also necessarily final versions. So, like, I'd rather just wait a couple weeks and have a show. Um, so I, I am loving that. And I will be watching Moon Knight sh- soon. I usually wait for this. Unless I, like, I had the episodes and I just didn't get around to them for reasons. And then when that happens, I tend to wait for a couple episodes to build up. Especially, like, a this is a six-episode season, right? This is a short, yeah. short, uh, sh- short show. I, I'd much rather wait a couple weeks and be able to sort of cash up in like two days and then be sort of curious where it ends. That's, that's been sort of my vibe with um, some of these shows to, if I don't have like with WandaVision, I watched the first three or four episodes, whatever they sent early and then waited forever for everyone else to catch up and then watched it like that. And that was, that was sort of new and exciting. Um, I'm a little not marveled out by any stretch, but I don't want to wait until 3am to sit and watch a new episode of something right now. Yeah, so at, at times the you know the the drop having them drop all at once works, and I think for Marvel shows that tends to be the case for me. Uh, I, I I don't like waiting a week in between. It doesn't. Yeah, it did for it did for Wandavision because of the state of the world when Wandavision came out. Totally. But since then, I, I, I'm liking the the drop three to start it. And then you, uh, and then weekly with, at least. So that, with one division and Falcon the Winter Soldier, yeah, I was like, I need something to look forward to. Yeah, exactly. Um, I'm down. Um, 
with uh, What If and Loki. Loki, Loki, sort of to the same degree, but Loki was more just. I'm just curious where they're going. What if didn't work for me much, um, and I was I was desperately behind on um, Hawkeye, uh, just because of like the holidays and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So I I was uh, I just binged that one over like two or three days and caught up and like it was it was good. Um, the only thing I have that I was watching TV wise is I still am only like four episodes in the peacemaker which i do like oh it's great that's just so another good. thing that like i've watched so much i need to, i really need a list in front of me Peacemakers is excellent the legend of vox machina on uh yeah, prime video like is a hell of a lot yeah. of fun and i'm not a, a D guy well i wasn't it, it actually yeah. turned me into one i've, I've finally uh started playing D because of the show i was like this is Whoa. i haven't I, I actually something something to that equivalent um i want to talk to you about in a second because i have an idea but um, but yeah, I, I you heard it here. Uh, We're playing D and D on the podcast. Whoop, whoop. Get out maybe, your maybe something close to that twenty sided um, die. Yeah, I um, name for it. I um, yeah, D twenty or something like that. Yeah, that's um, it. I uh, yeah, I'm bad with TV as as we all know, and historically, for many reasons. But one of the things is also like I always found it to be sort of like a thing i would do with a as a couple like as a relationship thing so like i was watching more tv over the last year and and it's going to take me a bit to get back into it again but i will at some point watch the rest of uh peacemaker because i like it it's just as we all know when you're tied up with something else when something is tied up in, in another thing sort of um untying it takes takes some time so like there's no hurry like nobody cares i have until season two in a year or two years or whatever that comes out well, he's working but, uh, on Guardians Three and uh, the Guardians Holiday Special, so yeah, it'll be a minute. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, or like, you know, I have six to nine months before Ted Lasso season three. You know, like I, I finished season two of Ted Lasso. That was like one of the last things uh, her and I watched together. Like, if season three came out tomorrow, I don't think I could watch it. But by the time it it does hit, I'll be able to just watch it as like, oh, this is the show we all love. Um, but in terms of TV, that's sort of where I'm at. What I want to do before we get to movies, because Miles has let, two movies he wants to talk about. Let me Go mention ahead. two more shows really quickly. Yes. Uh, one is Ghosts on CBS, mm-hmm. which is... Uh, which we have an interview opportunity about, I think. You, yeah, we actually have two uh, coming up, but uh, which I was happy they came about because I'm a big fan of the show. And for, uh, you know, there's not a lot of network shows don't get the buzz they deserve. It, it's a fun watch. It is. Uh, mm-hmm. It's clever. It's uh, it's got a little more depth than you would expect. And it's got a, a great cast. For, uh, and, there, and there's quite a few, the living and the dead. So I would I'd recommend that. And the other one is After Party, the After Party. Um, oh, Lord and Miller. that's good. Yeah, uh, I think it's Chris Miller's who wrote and directed it. Uh, Phil Lord is involved as well. And it's got a cast of comedians, um, Sam Richardson. Uh, I'll, I'll script the name so I won't. Uh, but yeah, I, I, it's every episode has a unique style. And each episode tells the murder story from a different point of view. So, mm-hmm. you, you know, it's one of those... You have to watch all eight episodes to see where how it all comes together, and I did, and it's uh, I think it's quite rewarding, uh, quite a rewarding watch just for the creativity alone and the performances, but you know, uh, 
it's another Apple TV Plus f series that just doesn't get the amount of attention it deserves. So if you, if you have Apple TV Plus, even if you just got it for Coda, go hunt it out. It's a good binge. It's uh, it's definitely worth the watch. Sounds good. Um, before we get to the movie thing, the idea I had was I've never played Dungeons and Dragons or D&D or any of those sort of things, but um, to some degree, you can kind of make your own adventure out of it, right? Yes, that's yeah. that's the so, gist of it. So the idea I had was, especially since we're in sort of a somewhat leaner time for, for subjects beyond like when we all see the same movie or something, maybe we could each take turns writing our own version as an episode, like a movie sort of theme version. Like what is, what is the guy who comes up with the story is like what the dungeon master, right? Right. So maybe we do something like that. We're like, oh, Miles, you're up next week we're not doing it next week but you know what i mean and like you can either pick a movie to make it out of or like your own kind of like adventure and uh and we'll play it out in like a an audio version i think there could be some fun there right because it's basically just it's kind of like a non-cancelable sugar and spicy right we're just basically playing well let's see how far we get into it i think we can easily make it cancelable but I mean, if we, I mean, you know, you know what I mean? But like, if you, yeah. if you came up with, okay, let's do the, um, throw something out there, just a random thing. Mars attacks. Movie wise. <laughs> All right. We're going to do, we're gonna, you're going to write the Mars attacks sequel as like a and d style, like RPG audio thing for us. You know, we'd each have to be people, you know, you'd come up with like the, Remember how there was like a million characters? You pick, you know, five. We'd write and we pick three of them and we play it. I think it'd work. I don't think it's, uh, you know, we could follow the um, sort of their template of like, you know, you roll a dice to see what happens, but like just tinker with it so one we don't get sued. But also in the same way we kind of did like the Cinephile card game, just like without the card game aspect of it. Right. I mean, as someone apparently the only one here who has played Dungeons and Dragons. It's a bit more involved in that, but um, we could definitely figure some out some variation on that. I've played, well, I think we we, we've had, we've had three sessions so far. I'm still not a hundred percent. I, I we're, I'm, I've got a hand on it, but it's, there's much more to it. There's so much like it's, a, it's about knowing your character. So that's well, that's I mean, the thing when you're. I think there'll be some. It's, it's, t- about it's tough that. to do as like a one shot, especially with yeah. minimal prep time. Well, I think maybe what we should do is let's plan for to try this in you know a month or whatever. Like give, like maybe Miles, you should go first just because you have the the knowledge about kind of how to make it work. Wow. And I can help you. <laughs> See, well, this, you know what I mean. This seems like a choose your own adventure. Kind of. More or less. I think we can find we can find a hybrid version. It doesn't have to be Dungeons and Dragons. I'm just thinking of like playing out like movies and monsters. You know, whatever whatever offshoot we're gonna make it, and we come up with the the story. Maybe it just becomes something we do every other episode to like just sort of like move the the choose your own adventure plot along or something like that. It's an idea. We can we can develop it, but it could. Uh, I've heard people do versions of it. Um, I think Kevin Smith had one once where, uh, you know, he would write one one week and, like, Jason Mewes would do it another week. Like, I forget what it was called. It was, like, it was like knockoff, you know, Crimson Mystical Mages or something he called it. You know, just like a, like a joke of it all. Right. Um, and we, I think we there's can a way find to a way to it. sort of simplify it, like, a lot. Oh, yeah, a real, a real simple – oh, no, I want it to be as simple as, like, 
you know, you come up with our bizarre legend, and it's, uh, you know, Steve is walking along, and a troll pops up and says you have to, you know, name three Tom Hanks performances. And if he doesn't do it, something befalls him. And if he does, he moves on with the thing. You know, like, just some very simplified version, of, you know, as opposed to, like, dice rolls. And okay, like well, that's something. Like, if we do, like kind of like movie trivia or like something movie themed in place of like the combat or the dice or something that I could. Yeah. Yeah. Let's not have, let's not have, we're not going to have combat or dice rolls per se. It'll be either, it'll be some variance of like, maybe some of it is a trivia. Some of it might just be like, you have 10 seconds to name five of them. Just like, yeah. Yeah. Or, you know, to move the creativity along like, Oh, you have to now remember bad movie pitches. Maybe we can work that in. Like, quick, picks, p- uh, pitch us Mars Attacks 2, but directed by Jane Campion, you know, and then things like that. So that way we can have our, like, creative fun that was, like, a mainstay for the last couple seasons when we didn't have much to talk about. Yeah. But one, isn't just Miles, and two, um, won't send anyone to rehab <laughs> or jail. Um, so I think we can maybe do that in, like, Every week we swap off who continues the, the the game master version of it. So like whatever whatever basic we can come up with the story sort of the basic story of like oh we're we're caught in movie Candyland whatever it is we'll figure it out and whoever is in charge just kind of comes up with the the things and if and if we want like Miles and I can can swap off a couple times before Steve is ready if that works yeah I think we're on to something here. Yeah, we have, let's say we have the month of April to figure this out. And we can shoot for, like, maybe the first May episode to be the episode in which we play the game that we have not named yet. Uh, feel free to come up with names for the game, everyone. Um, so, or tell us if this is a good or bad idea. In the meantime, uh, Miles, you did see two movies. Feel free to uh, expound upon them. Yeah, well, okay, so I spent all weekend at the movies, y'all. Um... I actually technically saw four. Um, Two of them I have very little to say about, so I'm just going to breeze through them. Uh, There was a 25th anniversary screening of Princess Mononoke, uh, which is my personal favorite Studio Ghibli film and probably one of the best anime films ever made. Uh, It's beautiful. It's amazing. It totally holds up. Uh, We snuck into a screening of The Lost City, which is the most fine movie ever made, perhaps. It's not amazing. It's not terrible. It just sits there in the middle and looks pretty. Um, the two movies I want to talk about, and this was kind of surreal because, uh, I saw them both with my wife and, uh, we both agreed that one of them was one of the worst movie going experiences we'd ever had. And the other was one of the best we've ever had. Uh, and I don't say that lightly considering, you know, maybe a month ago I was talking about the Batman as a masterpiece, which it is. But so the two we saw, the first one was this little film called Memoria, Uh, It stars Tilda Swinton. It's from a director whose name nobody can pronounce, including him, I expect. Uh, But he did Uncle Boonmi, who can recall his past lives. He says call him Joe when he does uh, press. All right, Joe. So he's aware of this. Yeah. Um, I haven't seen Uncle Boonmi. I've heard good things. Um, Before I saw his newer film, I was thinking about checking it out. Now I'm not so sure. Uh, This... (sighs) So Memoria, for those who don't know, has a weird, unique distribution strategy where basically it's only it's never going to streaming or home release, at least not yet. Uh, The idea is that it's 
only ever playing in one theater at a time. So sort of like a very elongated roadshow sort of format, I guess. Um, So I was, quote unquote, lucky enough to see it near me in Albuquerque. Um, It's an endurance test. It's possibly the slowest movie I've ever seen. Uh, It's the kind of movie where every single scene is usually done in a single very wide shot and you're just watching the actors do something mundane in real time there's a loose plot about tilda swinton heard this weird sound and she's trying to figure out what it is but by the time the movie's wrapping up i defy you to explain how that translates to where we are now there's some loose sort of concept of um you know, it being about memory loss and uh, the sound being some sort of like virus that's passed around because she has a friend who's losing her memory and it's it becomes this whole thing. But in practice, it's it almost plays like a parody of an art house film. Uh, there's a famous, well, I don't know about famous, but for people who know the film, uh, which is well regarded too, it blows my mind. It's got like 89% on Rotten Tomatoes. But um, there's a scene where she comes up on this man And he says something to the effect of, whenever I sleep, I don't dream. And she says, oh, really? Show me. And he's like, okay. And he just lies down, apropos of nothing. And we watch him sleep for 25 minutes in real time. And we're just juggling between, you know, her sitting next to him, just sort of, you know, looking around, listening to nature. Shot of his face, nothing. Shot of his feet, nothing. And that's just like almost half an hour of this two hour movie is just watching this man sleep. And I just I thought they were going to kick us out of the theater because we couldn't stop laughing at the audacity of any filmmaker just for no reason other than so you can drink in the vibes or whatever. Mm -hmm. Go watch this person sleep. Enjoy. I've uh, I saw I saw Cemeteries of Splendor at New York Film Festival of his. And that was about like soldiers with a weird like sleep disease. Yeah, very slow. Um, yeah, um, not for me. But uh, and I here's mean, the listen. thing: I was I was with it for the first like forty minutes or so. I'm like, okay, this is a very deliberate approach. You know, this film doles out shots the same way that some musicals might dole out songs. Yeah, uh, it's very. I think. I think the way that a film like this would work the best is if it was some sort of like art gallery, like instead of painting, it is basically each one is. Yeah, exactly. Like instead of paintings, you have the different shots of the movie, which are all very, you know, they're simple, but there's a lot going on in them and there's a lot going on in the soundscape. And, you know, you can just walk through at your own pace and sort of, you know look at each shot and get sort of get whatever you want out of it and then take your time with it and then move on when you're ready. But watching it all play out, like some of these shots play out over the course of like 10 minutes and it'll just be like two people like, you know, sitting in a diner talking about nothing or sitting on a park bench. And it's just, yeah. it's tedious yeah. and it's, and the payoff is not worth it. And it just kind of, yeah. So that was rough, but that reminds me of, um, Stray Dogs or Stray Dog, um, a film I saw at the New York Film Festival that ends with like 15 minutes of people staring at a wall. Yeah, it's it's rough. Um, by the way, Memoria nominated for Best Picture by the London Film Critics Circle. Well, I I pray to them that they have the opportunity to watch other films next year. 
Well, they, so here, just for our argument's sake, their nominees were Power of the Dog, Belfast, Drive My Car, Dune, Licorice Pizza, The Lost Daughter, Memoria, The Souvenir Part 2, Titan, and West Side Story. So they found it right among those. Fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. So listen, different strokes for different folks. You know, you might see it and pick up things that I didn't, but I, I won't. I, it, um, has, it has that David Lynch quality for me where whatever intellectual or emotional nourishment I might get from analyzing it isn't worth the chore of sitting through it. Yeah. So I, uh, I have, I have the screener because despite it being a roadshow thing, they did put it in the neon book and um, I, I, I didn't watch it. So whoops. Yeah. I, yeah. So, but now on the flip side of things comes a film that was not on my radar at all. Um, and that I only found about thanks to uh, some fine folks on film Twitter. Um, shout out to Patrick H. Willems, who particularly sort of, uh, you know, put me onto this one. Uh, it's an Indian film called RRR, which in English translates to Rise, Roar, Revolt, uh, but which I'm just going to refer to as Triple R. Um, I don't watch a lot of Indian films or Bollywood films. This is technically a Tollywood film, I guess. Um, I've seen clips, you know, I've seen, you know, the guy who he's a robot and he turns into a big ball filled with other robot men's and they've got guns and it's spinning around like a big ball. I've seen all that. I've seen a lot of the dance clips and things like that. So, you know, I'm, I'm into it, but I've never watched one all the way through. Um, so I had no expectations going in except some people said it was good. There's an argument to be made that triple R is one of the best films ever made. And I'm saying that, I'm trying to say that with as little hyperbole as possible, which I know is borderline impossible, but it's it's three hours, and not one of these pussyfooting the Batman three hours where it's actually two hours and 47 minutes or whatever. This is a proper three hours, and every single scene goes so much harder than it needs to. It's this epic bromance superhero movie where you become so invested in these two characters who like they're the best of friends, but they don't know that they're actually, you know, working at cross purposes. It's this whole political struggle. The action in it is so crazy and over the top. It's, you know, it's the kind of thing where people will like catch a motorcycle out of the air and swing it around at people or like jungle animals are weaponized in a very entertaining way. You know, uh, there's an incredible action sequence where one of them is like giving the other a piggyback ride while they're like firing rifles around and stuff. It's, it's, it's difficult to explain. Um, it's, it's, it's everything. It's everything cinema can be like, there's a dance sequence, um, in the middle that like, should be in contention for one of the best scenes in any movie ever. It's just so infectiously entertaining and charming. And I realize that it's probably leaving theaters shortly after we're recording this. So I don't know if anyone will still have the opportunity to see it, but anyone who's listening who wants to see, you know, what the art form is capable of when it's pushed to its limits, do yourself a favor and check out triple R. I have a question. Did you watch the trailer? I did. Okay, because I I watched the trailer after your raves, and I was like, eh, maybe <laughs> I I I don't know. It, it seemed like too much, um, and I know it's a three hour film, and they cram, but that trailer seemed very dense. 
Is it that does it slow down at all, or is it always like on overdrive? Uh, well, the trailer is on overdrive because it's basically picking a bunch of like the highlight moments of different scenes and just cramming yeah. them all into each other. The scene, the movie is not rushed in that okay. way. It's very, it takes its time to build up to and then earn those moments. Like, okay. you know, the, the stuff I was talking about, like the action scene where the guys piggyback, that's actually set up much earlier in the film in a way that I won't spoil. And like, there's a lot of sort of natural progression to it. It's it's not a movie where it's it's at 11 all the time, per se. It's just that the highs it hits are so much higher than most other films will get in one or two scenes. Okay, good. Yeah, because the trailer was like, it's yeah, big, it's, it's and not, it's still it's big, and it's wa- bigger, and it's even more, it's even more bigger, biggest than you thought it could be. And then it's like, yeah. oh my, it's like, don't, give me a second to breathe. I, I couldn't, uh, I, I, after 10 seconds, I was I was out of it, and I was like, okay, get this trailer end. But your raves made me say, I trust your, your opinions. Um, I don't always agree, but I trust them. So I will uh, I will still venture out and see it. Yeah, no, you definitely should. It's it's not like wall-to-wall craziness. It's okay. like there's time, for example, for the performances to breathe and like you actually to get a proper sense of who these people are like. You get proper backstory. You get, you know, character dynamics. Like at one point in the middle, it just kind of turns into Hitch for 20 minutes. But like that 20 minutes is better than the entirety of Hitch. Um, hmm. It's it's fascinating. It's It's a rare duck. That sounds good. All right. Yeah. Totally. Sold. Um, yeah. All right. So let's uh, let's let's end it on that. Um, next week we're going to talk about uh, my year in advance predictions, which are going up tomorrow, Friday for everyone. Um, Miles will give his normal two cents about he hates these things, and uh, we'll it. we'll get into yeah we'll get into a little bit of the the crapshoot and shot in the dark that this all is because um, that's what it is. There's no way to possibly know what's going to happen with these. Um, it's never too early, but it's also too early. So that's just, uh, you know, is what it is. So it's part of the job. We'll try to have some fun with it. It's good for a year from now to make fun of them. We already did that with my last year ones where like some stuff is on the money and some stuff is like, Ooh boy, was that not right? So there'll be more of that this year than, than normal. I think one, I'm just so exhausted by this year and, and my life in general at the moment that I, I wouldn't say put less effort into these, but I kind of just pulled from a lot of the, the usual and didn't really go out on too many limbs per se. So we'll talk about that next week and I'll start tinkering with them periodically because that's, that's what I do. Uh, but for now, uh, everyone can say where they can be followed. And um, yeah, I, I know you guys hate the, the freestyle one. So I'll say... Give me a hypothetical name for our our, uh, our role playing game we might be coming up with. Okay, uh, well you can find me on both Twitter and Letterboxd at Miles on Film. That's M Y L E S on Film. You can check out my writing on both Awards Radar and on Looper. Uh, please check out my short films American Exorcist and Once Upon a Dracula. They are both on YouTube under AfterShock Pictures and Chase Capo, respectively. Um, title for the game. How about Adventures in Hollywood Land? I like it. Also, just for future, for past reference, remember how you perform sugar and spicy in front of Keith Lucas. Didn't he leave before we got into that? I don't remember. 
I thought he wrote it. Actually, yeah, right? <laughs> hey, Uncredited don't rewrite. don't sully the name of Academy Award nominee Keith Lucas like that. I, I, do, I, do, I do like that. What, I don't remember. I think we, we definitely told him about it. Maybe we told him about it before we started. Because I remember him being amused and puzzled in equal measure. Yeah, just yeah. before we heard like, that dial tone. Yeah, and I kind of like the idea that notorious, like, stoner Keith Lucas thought that was too weird. So, well, you know. He was right. <laughs> he, he was right, but also it uh, it seemed to be popular. I think this new thing will be, uh, we'll get that, we'll scratch that itch for the, the nonsense creator. And you know what? We can have guest appearances by the non-cancelable people. Were there you any? Know, there's... <laughs> Heather Graham Cracker was solid. I, I I would argue she was quite brittle. Uh, see, see, uh, but yeah, I think as long as we avoid um, the bad one, everything is fine. Though again, for all that that nonsense, I do think our um, the episode where we interviewed him was quite good. Yeah. <laughs> I was was pretty burnt out by that point. I'm not going to lie. I think you were just happy to be done with it by then. Yeah. Well, 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 that interview is also heavily derailed by an unexpected guest. That's true. Um, What we'll do with... um, What we'll do with with this to maybe get some of that out of our system is maybe we'll... We'll have you. Maybe we'll make uh, when you're the the, the Hollywood uh, game master. You know what? You'll be the president of Hollywood when you're the game master. President um, of Hollywood. Yes, and you need a voice for it. So there you go. You get you get to do uh, voice work. Um, Steve, where can you be followed, and can you beat Adventures in Hollywoodland? Mm, I'm going to try. Um, you can follow me on Twitter and Letterboxd at Filmstork. Uh, also, give a listen to the Verse, which you can find on Awards Radar, where we cover all the cinematic universes. Um, what are we covering right now? Moon Knight. And, uh, oh, and The Boys uh, Diabolical, which you probably oh, never how, heard of. How is that? I did not watch it. The team did. Uh, it's, it is, every episode has, it's it's similar to, what's the Star Wars uh, uh, Visions? Visions, yeah. That's what and it that, looked like, yeah. Yeah. Each has its own style and, and tone, and I think Aquafina wrote one, and it's like, so everything... Every time you jump in, you're not exactly sure what you're going to get. And it was, seemed like a hit or miss, but the ones that hit, hit well. The ones that missed, actually, uh, different hosts disagreed about which one they liked. So it's, you know, it's kind of like, in a way, that's a great thing. You know, you're not going to maybe like them all, but you're going to find the ones you enjoy. So I would jump in. I'm, I haven't yet, but I'm going to. <clears throat> Excuse my t- extremely tired voice. Um but yeah, check it out. And if you you know, you want to hear without any spoilers, go check out. Well, actually, that episode is not out yet. Uh, ch- check out in a few days. The uh, actually no, I'm sorry. At the time of this recording, it should be out. Uh, check out the latest episode of the Verse on Awards Radar, where toward the end you can hear them speak about it, uh, as well as talking about Tim Burton's Batman films. And my name, um, I think this one works. Dragons and Dungeons. Ah, yeah. Um, Miles is still in the lead. Um, yeah, go figure, right? Um, and I will. Uh, I'm going to actually defer to Miles's pick and not come up with one because I completely forgot to mention some of my uh, best of the year so far. So I'll do that at the end of this. Um, follow me at 
Joey Magazine, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd, all that stuff. Ooh, I have a good one. Arizona. Hold on, hold on. Go ahead. I don't have it exactly, but if we're doing uh, dice, you know, it's got to be something like know your role or something with your role mm-hmm, because, mm-hmm. you know. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it, 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 I, we I, can combine it. We can do the, what's it, Adventures in Hollywood? Adventures, right? Adventures in Hollywood Land. Land. Yeah. Know your role. Know your role. Or, there you go. Something. I like that. Because if we continue it, they can be different seasons. So seasons one, season one is know your role. Yeah, um, and season two can be shut your mouth. Um, <laughs> yep, that's a rock reference. Yes. Um, and uh, yeah, so uh, I won't try to beat that. I like it. I think we came up with it. Readers, listeners, if you want to beat it, try. Otherwise, we're good. Uh, I'll quickly just mention some of my performances and um, films of the year. And uh, if you guys want to chime in with, with one or two, um, feel free to. Uh, Performance-wise... I uh, I mentioned Anna Darmus in Deep Water, as much as that movie is iffy. She's good. Zac Efron in Gold, No One Saw, Ryan Reynolds in The Adam Project, Colin Farrell in After Yang, Channing Tatum in Dog, Mark Rylance in The Outfit, Tim Roth in The Sundown, which also no one saw, uh, Paul Dano in The Batman, Zoe Deutsch in The Outfit, Daisy Edgar Jones in Sebastian Stan and Fresh, and uh, Mia Goth in X, which, are, which is good. Um, quickly, do you guys have a performance of the year so far? Um, outside of the two leads of Triple R, which who are both phenomenal, um, probably Robert Pattinson in the Batman really stood cool. out for me. Steve, uh, I'm gonna go with uh, I I, I enjoyed uh, Deep Water. Anna De Armas, yeah. I can't pronounce right now. And Affleck, I thought were both good. Yeah, I mean, I th- I think it I think it takes a lot more heat than it deserves. It's I think I think if it wasn't. I think if it wasn't directed by Adrian Lyne, I think you'd like it better also a lot of people. I, I think if it didn't have really Affleck as well, thriller. I think Affleck automatically brings a certain level of I'm walking in hating this. You have to convince me otherwise. And I, which is, yeah. I, that's not how I don't I, have that, but yeah, I don't have that either. And that's maybe why I enjoyed it. I thought it was, I thought it was actually a, a quite entertaining film and did its thing and didn't do exactly what I expected it to do, which is why I enjoyed it. So if it wasn't for the fact it was missing a third act, I think my thumb would have been up. Um, but yeah, no, I, 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 I mean, I, that's one thing I liked about it. I like where it ended. I mean, I mean, you know what, um, Miles, if you end up watching it, I'd be interested to talk about it a little more next week. Um, might be a fun watch with the missus. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> um, and then quickly, uh, my top 10, not counting the ones that I mentioned were ineligible after Yang, the outfit, the automat turning red dog X, the Batman, Fresh, Scream, and The Atom Project. So that's where I'm at. We will get more into those maybe next week. Whoa, 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 hold on, hold on. Was that from 1 to 10 or 10 to 1? Atom Project was number 1. Atom Project is your number 1 of the year so far? Yeah, it made me cry. Really? Also, Also, to some degree, it's the fact that nothing has blown me away yet. Okay. I mean, I saw The Atom Project. I, like... It's one of those movies where I forgot I saw it 30 minutes later. I, it's one of those ones that definitely helped that we <clears throat> we saw it on the big screen. Um, and, like, I saw it before I, I was literally the first audience. And, like, didn't I didn't even really know what it was about. So that helped. Um, but also, I think I'm just, um, I'm a sucker for, like, that, like, try to get the feels in the middle of a, of a mainstream kind of, like, feel-good movie. It was it was a me movie. I recognize that. No, I mean it's and it's all, not terrible. I just 
surprised. No, no, I, I think I think most people's reaction was like, "That's fine, it's solid, um, enjoyable," and moved on. I, I there was something about like I don't know why, but like the the Field of Dreams esque sort of end to it kind of kind of got me in a way I was not expecting. So that's kind of given it a tie. I think if it wasn't for for that, like if the movie kind of ended a little more in the same way, like I really like Free Guy. But if it was closer to Free Guy and that, I was like, okay, this is just fun and good and, 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 a, and a Spielberg, like, Amblin movie kind of thing, I would probably have moved that one down. And, and honestly, I think Batman would probably end up being number one. Or maybe even X. But, like, that little special sauce of, uh, or fresh, a little special sauce of the Adam Project to me made it number one until something else comes out. And, like, who knows? I also, when Pleasure finally starts screening again, I want to watch it again and, and I may... If I re if I up it to three and a half stars, maybe that becomes my new number one. We'll see. Okay. Yeah. yeah. The only well, the only part of it that I've found especially memorable was like the ghoulishness of young Catherine Keener. Yeah. Like that. Like I mean, that was almost a jump scare for me. I, I mean, that special effect it. is that special effect is is just maybe never going to get there. So I think that's just where we're at with that. Hey, one um, one do, more performance: uh, Zoe Kravitz and Kimmy. I uh, see that. Oh, Maybe not the, she's so good in that. Yeah, 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 yeah. I saw that recently. That's a good one. Yeah, I will watch it too. Um, the outfit, Mark Rylance, is always great, but that's a that's not. I haven't seen it, unfortunately. I want um, to. It's solid. Um, well worth watching. So we can always we can maybe get back into this next week. Um, the article is up on the site. Feel free to uh, check it out, <clears throat> and we will be back next week, and uh, we'll slowly start to de- develop this game idea. So now we can have another. Uh, bit of silliness to add to the podcast, which um, we we really haven't had in uh, in almost a year. So I think it's uh, I think it's high time we got stupid again. So we will we will find a fun way to inter- to work it in, and uh, stay tuned for more information there. But for the moment, we uh, thank you for listening. Uh, look for predictions tomorrow and the article next week, and we will see you at the movies. Bye, y'all. Good night. Thanks for listening. Be sure to subscribe and to visit awardsradar.com for the best in awards and entertainment content.